Our first reading is from the book of Genesis, chapter 46, uh, 45, sorry, chapter 45, beginning at verse 16. When the news reached Pharaoh's palace that Joseph's brothers had come, Pharaoh and all his officials were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, do this, load your animals and return to the land of Canaan and bring your father and your families back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you can enjoy the fat of the land. You are also directed to tell them, do this, take some carts from Egypt for your children and your wives and get your father and come. Never mind about your belongings because the best of all Egypt will be yours. So the sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them carts as Pharaoh had commanded, and he also gave them provisions for their journey. To each of them he gave new clothing, but to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver and five sets of clothes. And this is what he sent to his father. Ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt and ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other provisions for his journey. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the, the second reading is taken from Luke chapter 6, that's verses 30 through to 38, love for enemies and judging others. That's on page 1034. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, 
will be poured into your lap. For, you, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is the word of our Lord. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words to us this morning. Uh, a very encouraging passage, a very challenging passage. And we ask that you pour your spirit upon us now as we listen to you, that we would be both encouraged and challenged in equal measure. And that you would raise up in us, by your spirit, your generosity at work through our lives. Amen. So in this summer series, we've been exploring the working life of Joseph and how as slave, as steward, as prison warder, and as prime minister, he demonstrated the unwavering witness to God through the various aspects of his work. And today we're looking at how his generosity was a witness to God's generosity. So it's back on page 51. Chapter 45, verse 16. Page 51. One of the most delightful vouchers that I ever received was from my 10-year-old son. He promised that once he had become the best-selling author and successor to J.K. Rowling, he would buy me a house on an inlet and a yacht with a boathouse to keep it in. When his first film comes out, I'm really hoping I'm going to be able to find that voucher. Because failing that, I'm not feeling very hopeful that the president of France is likely to urge me and my family to come and join him down in the Dordogne where he's got a chateau and vineyards awaiting us. Well, that was the kind of message that Jacob received from Pharaoh, along with a convoy of famine relief trucks. Huge and unexpected generosity. At first sight, it seems that the generosity that we hear about in this passage isn't that of Joseph. It's the generosity of Pharaoh. Joseph is merely following orders. But of course, Pharaoh hasn't chosen just any old family at random. He pours out his generosity on Jacob's family precisely because they are Joseph's family too. Pharaoh has already been personally very generous to Joseph. He's raised him up from a prison cell to a palace. Well, that's fair enough because Joseph has done an extraordinary job as minister of famine. He saved Pharaoh's people and pretty likely Pharaoh's throne as well and enriched Pharaoh by many orders of magnitude. No doubt Pharaoh wants to keep Joseph sweet as well as honoring and rewarding him. He really doesn't want to lose Joseph to another country and nor does he want Joseph casting his eyes on the top job itself. So, how do you show gratitude and appreciation to your best worker when they're already on the top salary band? Okay, here's Pharaoh's top tip for you. 
You bless their family. Flowers for the spouse. Barbecue for the family. Pension top-up. And if your uh, budget can stretch to it, education bursary and private health plan. If you honor my family, then you honor me. Joseph no doubt greatly enjoyed following Pharaoh's instruction to send his brothers home with truckloads of blessing and an invitation for his family to move to Egypt and be, be safe there and blessed even more. And of course, to be close to him, Joseph himself. But it isn't only Pharaoh who is generous in this passage. Joseph adds his own generosity onto that of Pharaoh, presumably from his own resources. Suits for his brothers, cash for Benjamin, and a huge Fortnum and Mason's hamper for his dad. What is Joseph doing through this generosity? Well, some very important jobs. Firstly, he's reassuring his brothers of his forgiveness of them. Secondly, he's recompensing Benjamin for um, a besmirched reputation and for undeserved anxiety all those years. And he's blessing his father for all the lost years of the past. I find that people often grumble that they could be much more generous if they had the resources of other people, that they could be as generous as Joseph if they had Joseph's wealth. If we're thinking like that, well, actually, we're deceiving ourselves. Two important principles are always at work. The first is that we will never be more generous with more money than we are now. Are these going up on the screen? Um, We'll never be more generous if we have more money than we are with the money that we've got now. We will always find the same reasons to resist sharing what we have. The sums will merely be larger. Secondly, the more external resources that we can access, the more we will avoid using our own cash instead of that of other people. If you have the bigger your expense account that you have, the more that you'll want to use that instead of your own cash, which only serves to make you less personally generous. So was Joseph using his own or Pharaoh's money? That's the question. When he gave 300 shekels to Benjamin. Well, it's hard to tell, but the wording seems to suggest that it was Joseph's own money. But the real question is not that. The real question is, when you get the chance at work to be generous with your wealth for other people, however great or small that wealth is, do you use that or do you restrict yourself to the company's resources that you can use, which isn't really generosity at all? Certainly, if we look back over Joseph's working life to date, we can see huge generosity from him in ways that are made clear to us by Jesus in our second reading. Perhaps you'd like to turn to it. It's page 1034, Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 30. Page 1034. 
So in verse 30, Jesus says, give to those who ask. And Joseph has done that continuously. He has worked tirelessly for Potiphar, for the jailer, for his fellow prisoners, for Pharaoh, for the Egyptians. And above all, he has endorsed his brother's piteous request for a corn dole for their starving families, even though he immediately recognized them and remembered their cruel and treacherous treatment of him. So still in verse 30, Jesus says, And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Well, Joseph has had so much taken from him, hasn't he? His colored cloak, his place in his family, his ease, his freedom, his reputation, his success. Yet we never hear of him demanding what was his due. Not once. Verse 31. Jesus says, do to others as you would have them do to you. So Joseph, we hear, instead serves his overlords with energy and integrity. He honors them. He's loyal to them, even though they're not always loyal to him. He refuses to take advantage of the trust that they put in him. He cares for his peers. He treats those under him with dignity. And above all, he labors to rescue the very people who have treated him so badly. Potiphar, Potiphar's wife, Pharaoh and his justice system, the butler who forgot him, the Egyptian nation as a whole, and of course, his brothers. Verse 37, Jesus says, forgive and you will be forgiven. And all of these people needed Joseph's forgiveness. And Joseph's critical test comes at that moment when his brothers suddenly appear before him. All the hurt, the shame, the loss of his life rises up like bile to choke him. And he throws them into prison. For three days, they experience everything that he has experienced. Hungry, terrified, alone, far from help, unnerved by foreign culture and language and wealth all around them, at the mercy of an inscrutable dictator and in prison. But in those three days, Joseph himself escapes from his own prison. He realizes he cannot keep his brothers in prison. He has to send them home with aid for their starving family, for his starving family. And as they talk urgently to each other in Hebrew, not realizing that Joseph can understand them, he hears them repeating and repenting of their long-ago crimes against their lost brother. And Joseph's heart is broken. And so he sends them home with Simeon as a deposit. And when at last they return accompanied by their youngest brother to fulfill Joseph's demand, he plants a silver cup, you'll remember from the musical, in, Joseph's, in, in Benjamin's sack, not in revenge, 
but as a test for the other older brothers. Will they choose once again to sacrifice a younger brother for themselves, or will they sacrifice themselves this time for their innocent younger brother? When they pass that test, Joseph's heart is broken all over again. He weeps away all those losses, the sufferings, and the shame. And instead of demanding back what was taken from him in bitterness, he can give them his forgiveness and his love. And so he fulfills verse 35 of Luke chapter 6, the words of Jesus. Love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything in return. And then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is unkind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. The generosity of Joseph is so clear towards the nation which harmed him and the family which betrayed him. We see how he loves his enemies and does good towards them. To the very end of his life, he continues to reassure his brothers that he has forgiven them and that the good he's done them has been without agenda or a sting in the tail. It wasn't so that he could have them in control so that one day he could subtly punish them. No, it was to bless them. And in doing so, he has become a true child of his own heavenly father. And even more than Pharaoh, emulates the unmerited generosity of the Most High. So, why generosity? Why was it so important for Joseph? Why is it such an important part of our working life and our witness here? to Jesus. Well, firstly, because generosity demonstrates our lack of manipulative agenda for other people. It helps them to trust us. And as a result, they tend to work harder for us. They tend to copy us and be generous to each other. And they tend to back us for new opportunities. Remember, it was the butler's reference which got Joseph his big job. So, firstly, be generous to grow your influence. Secondly, be generous because generosity makes you more like Jesus, who gave himself utterly in kindness even to the ungrateful and the wicked. So be generous to be like Jesus. Thirdly, be generous because generosity enables Jesus to use us more powerfully. The more we hold our blessings to ourselves, the more God knows that he can't trust us with greater resources to share them with others. Conversely, the more we pass on what we have, the more we can be trusted to pass on to others the riches that God will give to us. Joseph gave unstintingly, and God used him. He gave loyal labor and Potiphar raised him from menial slavery to household head. He gave uncomplaining service, and the jailer put him in charge of the prisoners. He gave care for his fellow prisoners, and God gave him 
a true interpretation of dreams. He gave faithful witness to Pharaoh and God gave him the inspiration to lay out a plan for salvation. He gave careful organizing and meticulous accounting and God gave him the means to save a nation. He gave aid to neighboring envoys and God gave him the chance to bless his own family. He gave forgiveness and blessing to his family and God gave him the healing of them, of their dysfunctional behavior and favoritism and feuding which had gone on through three generations. And God gave to him to be the forerunner of Christ, bringing God's forgiveness and salvation to all people. Do you want to find God leading you, calling you into bigger and more influential opportunities for him to use you in the world? If you do, you need to be generous now. So be generous so God can use you. And finally, fourthly, be generous because your generosity is a witness to God's generosity. Through Joseph's generosity, through his generous self-giving, each of his employers could see God's generosity poured out on them for Joseph's sake. Potiphar's household flourished. The jail was calm and efficient. Egypt was effectively administered and saved from devastating famine. And the whole Near East found sustenance. And because of Joseph's most public witness before Pharaoh, everyone knew that this was entirely due to the generosity of Joseph's God. If you want your neighbors to see God's huge generosity towards them in Jesus, well, like Joseph, you need to pour out your generosity over them first. So be, generos be generous to show God's generosity. I have said this over and over again over the last 10, 11 years. The measure of your generosity, whether here or at work or at home, is the measure by which God will bless you. The measure of your generosity to the ministry here at or at work is the measure by which God will bless your ministry here or at work. If you give to it, he will give more. Prove him. Test him. Trust him. Give what you cannot afford and he will ensure that you can afford to give more. Give of what you have and he will increase what you have so that you can give more for him. And just remember, from the moment his coat was stripped from his back, Joseph literally had no possessions that he could give. He was stripped of everything and sold into slavery. He had nothing to give. And yet he still found ways of being generous with what he did have. His time, his energy, his spirit, his compassion, his gifts. 
As Jesus says so powerfully, powerfully in our finally, final verse, in, jo- in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. Is that not a fantastic description of God's generosity to and through you? A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your generosity poured out through Joseph's generosity upon the people of his world. We thank you too for your generosity poured out through Christ's generosity to us and our whole world. Use us, we pray, that generously we may share what we have been given and be witnesses and channels of and for and to your generosity that you may use us abundantly in the blessing of those around us for the glory of your name. Amen.